I want to begin first as we get into the message. I want to celebrate with you guys. I've got a picture of uh, our delivery of about 300 pounds of imperishable food to one of the local food banks. And we also gave a $500 check to them to help feed those who have needs in our community. That's awesome. Yeah, that's great. It's, it's important that it was imperishable food though, right? Because if we gave them like a gallon of milk and we put it in their warehouse and maybe like a month later, they gave that gallon of milk to someone, it wouldn't be a great experience. Like there's a difference between imperishable and perishable food. And I think almost all of us have had a family member in our house, specifically with milk. I'll pick on milk for a second. We've all had a family member in our house before that decided that it was okay for them to drink directly out of the jug and then put the jug back in to the fridge for everybody else to get a taste of milk and their saliva next time they went to drink it. We've had that person and then we all revel in that moment of divine justice when they go to take a drink out of the jug and they just pour it in and chunks just pour into their mouth. And we're like, that is exactly what you deserve because any decent human being would have seen the chunks getting poured into their glass and that would not happen to them. And before someone's like, oh, Paul, you're being a little judgmental about this. I was once a teenage boy. And I can remember the experience and the sensation of going straight from that jug and having a chunk of milk dancing between the top of my mouth and my tongue. And as you spit it out, it's chalky and oily and gross. And you recognize that the expiration date on the food matters. And you recognize that some things have a shelf life that needs to be respected. And today in the story, we're, we're on the resurrection. We're on what's normally celebrated at Easter really big, but we make sure we talk about the resurrection often because it is crucial it is absolutely crucial to the Christian faith. The apostles said that if Christ was not resurrected, then we're not resurrected and there is no hope and we're to be pitied above all people. The resurrection is the most important event in the history of the church, in the history of humanity, because it paves the way back. It gives us the one way back to God. The resurrection is incredibly significant and the resurrection highlights this fact that is taught in 1 Corinthians 15 that I want to tie in to all of the things that we see regarding the resurrection because 1 Corinthians 15 clearly communicates this important truth of what the resurrection does for us. Our passage today that we're going to be looking at, and we can put this up on the screen, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses, verse 54. It's describing the power of the resurrection here. And it says, when the perishable has been clothed with the imperishable, and the mortal with immortality, then the saying that is written will come true. Death has been swallowed up in victory. And that's what the resurrection is all about, of moving from death to victory, from perishable to imperishable. And what Jesus did in rising from the grave set him apart from all other religious figures of all other generations. It showed that the claims that he made and the things that he taught were from God. It is the exclamation point uh, on the entire existence of man in their relationship with God. And to, to make sure that we understand this, this concept between the perishable to the imperishable, uh, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna annoy the sticks in the mud a little bit and the people who love to get excited and do things at church, you're gonna love this because I, 
I'm going to list something, and then when I point at you, I, I need you to say the, the big, complicated, four-syllable word of perishable, all right? So that's what's going to happen. I'm going to point, so be, be ready, all right? I'm going to point, and then you're going to be ready, and you're going to say perishable. Can we do that? All right, I know the sticks in the mud won't, but the rest of you guys, it's going to be a good time, all right? So when I point at you, oh, you were so good. Second service is going to be challenged by that because the first time rarely goes that good. Good job. I want to clarify that in, perishable, it's defined as something that is prone or subject to decay, ruin, or destruction. It's like that, that gallon of milk that can go bad and will go bad eventually. Things that are perishable end up in destruction. And so there's things in our life that we often see as imperishable, things that we often see as lasting forever. But I want to remind you that there are things about our life that are perishable. Like your trials are, your fears are, your insecurities are, your loneliness is, Peter's failures were, your failures are, your six pack was, the government officials that you loved were, the government officials that you hated were, your favorite outfit is, your clean house is, and your body is. There are things that are here and they just feel like, and there's part of us that would hope that it would just be like that forever. But there is so much about this life that will be here one moment and gone the next. In fact, our entire life on earth is described as like a mist in the morning. That fog that is present in the early day but then is quickly gone. There is so much about this life that is perishable that we see as imperishable. There are problems that occur. There is heartache that occurs. There is anxiety and depression that occurs and it lies to you and it screams, it's going to be like this forever, but those things are just, and you need to see it as so. There, there are things that we've been entrusted to use for a small time. Everything from the, the money that is in the bank to the time that we have in this very day to the words that can proceed from your lips, they are here for a moment and they are gone and we should use them in a wise way. And one of the other struggles for us is, man, we're gonna get so complicated. I'm gonna give you a five syllable word. I am so proud of you, but I believe that you can handle it because it's so closely related to the first one, it's just imperishable, all right? I know this is challenging. This is high school level stuff for some of you, all right? But same thing, I'm gonna point at you, but this time I need you to say imperishable, understand? All right, the assignment is, is there, we're back to school. Okay, perfect, all right. First of all, your soul is, your prayers are, the results of trials are, love is, the results of godly suffering is, real times of fellowship is, faith-filled risks are, generosity is, acts of service is, and your study of the word of God is. Now, some of those things, you might hear them and you're like, wait a minute, pastor, like, is that really imperishable? Does that really stick, like when I study the word, when I pray, when I engage in times of fellowship, it is so critically important that you begin to see the way that your life is lived 
through an eternal perspective. We are born and we are raised up and we naturally adopt this perception of life on earth is all there is. That how I feel and what I have and what I do today really only matters to me. But I want to remind you of the absolute scriptural truth that there are things that you will do that will matter forever. And and this, this was clarified when Jesus rose from the dead. The Pharisees, the leaders within the the Jewish temples of the day, the Pharisees and the Sadducees would have been further divided about the person of Jesus, though most of them already hated him. But the Pharisees believed in the hope of eternal life. They believed in the resurrection after the dead. And the Sadducees, the other group of leaders within the temple, they said, this life is it, and then you go to the grave. And so when Jesus rose from the dead, there was part of hope that would rise up in the Pharisees to say, look, see, there is more. The way that we live here, it's gonna be recognized in eternity. And so all of it matters. And the Pharisees would have adopted that more quickly than the Sadducees who would have really struggled with it. But in Jesus's teachings, he continued to draw back to this concept that there are treasures in heaven. And because Christ was resurrected, you should know that you will be resurrected. And because you know that you will be resurrected, you have to understand this life is an opportunity. This life is an investment for what is to come. And the way that you live, it matters so significantly. Your your soul is imperishable. And and you get this, you, you get that there that you is not really your body. You understand that if, you know, you clip your fingernails or you clip off a finger or you lose a limb, that that like was part of you, but it's not you. As we get older, we get a little bit more comfortable with the idea that this physical body isn't really me. I'm more athletic than this. I'm less wrinkly than this. I'm younger than this for sure. And the older we get, we recognize more and more like this body is not really who I am. This body limits things that like who I am wants to do. And that this this isn't me. There's more to me. There's a spirit and a soul that is part of me. And in no uncertain terms, I want you to hear from me and understand. You have an eternal nature to you. There is a literal heaven. There is a literal hell. And the resurrection of Christ, it testifies to you that Jesus spoke truth when he said, if you destroy this temple, I will raise it up again in three days. That Jesus spoke truth when he said, there is only one way to the Father. And time after time when he taught in Matthew 6, it is a great study for you to go and do. To read Matthew 6, where, where he talks about treasures in heaven. To not store up for yourself treasures on earth where moth 
Moth will destroy and the thief will come in and steal and rust will degrade. Don't store up your treasures here, but store them up in heaven. So how do we do that? What are the treasures that we can store up in heaven? Acts of service to people. It's crazy to me that Christ will look at the acts of service that we do one day and all that Christ did and all of his perfection and all of his holiness, he will look at the imperfect things that we did, but we did them with an intention for his kingdom. And he'll look at us and he'll say, well done, good and faithful servant. The prayers that we prayed, the honesty that we, we maintained with God about how we're doing and how we're feeling and what we need in our times of prayers will be treasure in heaven. I'm going to tell you, your time of studying the word of God will not only be treasure in heaven, but it'll be treasure on earth because it'll be a lamp unto your path. We often don't know where to go or how to live or the steps to take because we do not allow scripture to light our path. And God is able and powerful to speak to us through his word. But when we do not open it and when we do not study it and when we refuse to apply it, when we refuse to submit ourselves and submit our plans and our wisdom to the word of God, we feel like we don't know how to progress forward. Not only will studying the word of God be an imperishable treasure that you, you will store up for yourself in heaven, but it will make this life on earth a lot easier. The resurrection of Christ, it moves us. It it gives us the capacity to call out and become sons and daughters of God. It moves us from perishable to imperishable. And this is the hope of every Christian. The hope of every Christian is not that you clean up your life enough to earn God's love. By being here at this church, we're not setting a bar for you that you, you act and you behave at least as good of us to fit in here and then you can call yourself a Christian. There's not a level that we set for that. We have been bought at a price and we are being made holy in the way that we live our life by Christ and we have been made holy positionally. He has called us holy because of what he did on the cross, because of what he did and suffering and paying the penalty for our life. You know, the resurrection, I, we're focused on the resurrection today, but I really wanna lean into the power of it and I, and I believe a very clear part of the power of the res- resurrection is understanding what Jesus did, with, did for us on the way to the grave. Because we, we understandably clean up the cross of Christ a little bit to make it palatable. I'm gonna, I'm gonna compare it to this. Um, this is a fishing hook. It's a... It's, it's a good hook for like a tarpon. It's a pretty big, um, pretty big hook right here. I, I was fishing with a friend uh, about a month ago and he, he had, had a little rig out that had like multiple hooks on it and he caught a ladyfish just right out here off Boca Grande. And when he got it up in the boat, he's a manly man, he's a tough guy. Didn't need to use the tool to get the hook out of the fish. Mm-hmm. Yeah, y'all know where this is going. And while he was working on uncatching his fish, his fish was working on catching him. Yeah. You guys know this little sweet spot right here? 
I mean, it's not, it's, not, it's actually, I think, probably one of the better places. If, you're, if you have to get hooked, this is one of the better places. But he had a really cool new piercing. And there's just enough skin on the side right here where, like, you couldn't pull it and break it. But there's too much to where he couldn't back the hook out. Now, I'm a sissy about some things. When there's medical things, I call for my wife, Tia. She's a nurse. She does those things. Yeah, she's the tough one in that respect. But she wasn't on the boat with us. So my buddy's got this hook here, and it's still connected to a fish who's like screaming for his life, and blood is starting to come out. And he's like, got the fish wiggling. He's like, Paul, you've got to cut the hook off. Like, he wants me to get my fillet knife and saw the skin. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I'm like, <laughs> can't we just, like, boat over to the nearest ER? Like, <laughs> so I got my fillet knife, and I'm trying to stomach the work of cutting less than a mil. I'm like lightheaded thinking about it. I'm like leaning on my table now. Like I got less than a millimeter of flesh I got to deal with here. And as I start in, he starts screaming. Like, dude, you can't scream if you want me to cut you with a knife. Like we are both just traumatized. Like I get about half, like I get quarter, half of a millimeter done. He can't take it anymore. He eventually like rips it and gets himself out. Yeah. I know you're like, Paul, you are grossing me out on a Sunday. You and me would not have been able to look at Jesus on the cross. Like we think of him and we think of a very sanitized picture. And I understand because like, it's not fun to think of the suffering that he endured. But the extravagant suffering speaks of extravagant love. And when we minimize the picture of what it looked like for Christ on the cross, we minimize what he endured in payment for our sin. And I think it's part of why we take sin very lightly. I mean, when you think of the, the type of whip, the, whip the, the cat of nine tails that they used that had shards so that it really would act like hooks when it was whipped into his flesh and pulled out, that it would pull out chunks. That he was whipped 39 times, that his back was completely exposed and open before he even made it to the cross. That the thorns, they were pressed into his brow. The nails that were driven through his wrist and his feet. Even culminating in a spear being driven into his side. And as the Old Testament prophesied that he would be like one from whom men hid their faces. So it was. The extravagance of his love was on display and it was there to answer any doubts or any questions of was he fully dead. The Romans were, were perfectionists at what they did in suffering and penalty of other peoples when they were being put to death. Jesus suffered in payment for your sins. He suffered to bring you from death to life. He suffered to bring you from perishing to imperishable. And when we think of him 
raising up from the grave, there was no doubt about the fact that he had paid the full cost of death. He had tasted of all of the suffering. And the punishment that brought us peace was upon him. First Corinthians chapter 15, verse 54. When the perishable has been clothed with imperishable and the mortal with immortality, then the saying that is written will come true that death has been swallowed up in victory. Death has been swallowed up in victory. This is such a beautiful just portrait of words here. The concept of death being swallowed by victory. It, it gives this connection back to even the verbiage that was used with the prophet Jonah being swallowed up by the great fish which Jonah is the, the theological term is typology, that it's used as a picture of Christ, that the three days that Jonah spent, spent in the depth were foreshadowing of how Christ would spend three days in the grave before returning. But Jonah's experience of coming back to life after being in the fish for three days, or even any of the resurrections, when you look at Lazarus's resurrection, when you look at anyone who was prayed for and brought back to life, their resurrection was different from Jesus's because Jesus defeated death in the grave. And his victory looked different because Lazarus eventually died. Jonah eventually died. Everyone who was prayed for and brought back to life, they eventually re-entered the grave. But what Revelations says about Jesus is in Revelations chapter one, verse 18. It says, this is Jesus speaking. He says, I am the living one. I was dead and now look, I am alive forever and ever. And I hold the keys of death and Hades. He is victorious over death and the grave. Your sin, your struggle, your addiction, he won victory for you through what he did on the cross. It was shown approved by God by the resurrection from the dead so that you would know, so that you would feel that you would experience and that one day you would step into eternity. But we continue to live like this life and its comforts are all that matters. And the resurrection of Christ, church, when you hear about it, when you think about it, you should respond to that resurrection with the understanding that that resurrection gave me victory over death. That resurrection gave me victory over this life's struggles. That resurrection moved me from perishing to imperishable. And as I decide to make Christ my savior and my Lord and follow his ways. He leads me in the ways everlasting. So because Christ was risen from the dead, I will be risen from the dead. And because I will be risen from the dead, the way that I invest this life, it matters significantly. And band, I'm... I'm, I'm such a good man today. I am on time and they probably didn't expect it. Band, I am going to finish right where I was supposed to today. So when you guys are ready, come on out here. When I grabbed the jug of milk as a dumb 12-year-old boy, it never even crossed my mind that I might have chalky, gross chunks of milk flowing into my, my life. It was an experience that I, I could actually laugh about that pretty soon after it happened. Um, my 
family helped me in that because I think that they were pretty sick of that behavior of mine. They might have even done that to me on purpose. I don't know. Those moments in our life where we experience something like that, where we recognize, okay, that was a bad choice, like, it surprises us. But what happens at the end of your life, it should not surprise you. And there will be a moment in your existence, there will be a moment where, where you have departed from your physical body and you stand before Jesus himself. And you will see what is perishable and what is imperishable. And I want that moment for you to be a moment of joy. Where even though I don't think it makes sense in the justice of the universe, where, where he looks into your life and he says, you poured your life out for other people. You gave of your time, of your sweat, of your talents, of the resources that I entrusted you. You poured it out. And you have filled rooms with heavenly treasures that precede you here. Some will meet him that day. Scripture says, as one who escapes through fire. Some will meet him that day as ones who he will say, I never knew you. And there is no one, there is no one who holds that responsibility other than you. So I wanna implore you, I wanna challenge you, I wanna push you, I wanna charge you. Invest this life well. The resurrection of Christ is just, it's proof, it's proof positive. There is life after death. There is accountability after death. And there's an opportunity that you have for a brief window. Let's glorify God with it. Let me pray for you. Church, God, would you just, by your spirit challenge and move in the hearts and the minds of the church to remove all excuses, to allow, allow the power of the resurrection of Christ to work through our mind, work through our heart, work through our life. Help us to see our world with an eternal perspective because we know this world is not all that there is. And so may we invest these days wisely in Jesus' name.